chapter 25. And what do you guys think? Can we handle a whole chapter? Can you guys do that? You can, huh? Today in Acts chapter 25, we're going to see in verses 1 through 9, Paul's arraignment. In verses 10 through 12, Paul's appeal. And then in verses 13 through 27, Paul's audience. You know, on the way into the ministry on Tuesday morning, I was with my daughter. We had gone to a Bible study over at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs. And then afterwards, uh, we went to the bookstore. And so I was kind of running late. But on the way in, she wanted to uh, get some food and she wanted to stop at McDonald's. And so part of me is thinking, no, you know, I, we're running late. And you guys, you know that feeling that I'm talking about? You kind of hate, you know, being late. How many of you here hate being late? You know what I'm talking about? So anyways, uh, you're on your way in, and I'm thinking, oh, man, uh, but I don't want to make her hangry. I don't want to do that to her, you know, because she's hungry. And one of the things I learned, I don't know if you guys are like this, but sometimes when people are hungry, they, they have to eat. I mean, it's like something about them. And so anyways, I, I said, okay, I love my daughter. Go to McDonald's. And while we're there, we just happened to run into a, a, a young lady, a sister, who hadn't been in church in a long time. She'd been going through some hard times. And, uh, and, I, and when we saw her, we had the opportunity to talk about the Lord and to talk about how God was calling her back. And then it was just so cool because immediately, you know, that night she came to our New Believers Bible study. And, and when I think of things like that, you know what I think of? That we serve a God who is so gracious that he would uh, orchestrate divine appointments. You know, that he would bring someone into your path, even at McDonald's, you know, even at a place like that. But even through the hard times, even through the trials, which is what we're going to see today, because God wants us to share his love. God wants us to share his, his message. God wants us to share the name of Jesus with people. And so my prayer is that we would always be open and ready for that. Because as we see, that was Paul's life, and it's so cool, even through the difficulties, what we see ultimately is God was creating a platform for him. God was bringing an audience to him, whether it's the, the Jews on the other side of town in that little synagogue over yonder, over the ladies, you know, that are gathering over there by prayer in the Philippi, or, or whether it's, we're going to see now this amazing um, amphitheater where he's going to gather the governor and the and the king and 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 her, his sister and so many people to be able to share the Lord because what had happened was Paul had become a man who was always ready to speak he was bold he wasn't a coward he was willing to share the gospel whenever God wanted him to and we need to cultivate that I think if we do you're going to see even more doors open for you to be able to reach out to people. Because the book of Acts, we're almost done. It's an awesome book. We see Jesus is building his church, but the devil is battling the church. You know, we see there's a church that was born on the day of Pentecost, but in order for it to grow, continue, Christians need to continue to count the cost. And we're going to see that Paul did that. Here was a guy who was loved, but he was locked up. But even though he was locked up in prison, he was still looking up. Even though he'd been assaulted by the Jews and arrested by the Romans, even though he'd done nothing wrong, the devil is pursuing him, but God is protecting him. The devil wants him dead, 
but God wants him to deliver the message. And we're going to see that today, even through the trials. You know, when I look, think of Paul, I, I can't help but think of James chapter 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, My brethren, count on all joy when you fall into various trials. And so here's Paul. He's the poster child for that verse, going through trials literally uh, and uh, repeatedly. And God is going to use that in a great way. Last week, uh, we studied the fact that Paul was a prisoner in Caesarea for two years. Any of you guys ever done two years? Just out of curiosity? No, I'm just joking. You won't raise your hand. <laughs> you know, some of you here, uh, maybe you've done two years, but you never have done, I'll bet, two years for, for a crime you didn't commit. Well, that's Paul. He's in prison, basically locked up for two years. And what we find in Acts 24, 27 is that Governor Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor. And so he left Paul bound, even though he knew he was innocent. But what happens is eventually Governor Felix is ousted and replaced by a man named Festus. This guy Festus we're going to be reading about, he's 70 years old. So he's, uh, he's going to die in two years. And, 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 and God has put him there because he wants them to hear the gospel. But as he begins his term, he travels from Caesarea to Jerusalem, where immediately he's confronted by the Jews about this guy they consider a problem, uh, and his name is Paul. Because look what we read in verse 1, Acts 25. It says, Now when Festus had come to the province, after three days, he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priests and the chief men of the Jews informed him, notice, against Paul. And they petitioned him, asking a favor, notice, against him, that he would summon him to Jerusalem while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore, he said, listen, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there is any fault in him. And so the governor arrives in Jerusalem and basically the Jewish authorities say, hi, nice to meet you. I need to talk to you about a man named Paul and we want him dead. I mean, it's almost like it was the top thing on their agenda. They had harbored, it's two years now, two whole years had passed by and they still were harboring that hatred for Paul so that they wanted him dead. You know, I, I don't know, just as a quick side note, if you guys ever struggle with hatred, but man, what a, a, a terrible place to be when someone hates another person. You guys know how love blinds? You guys know that how when you get all goo-goo-eyed and infatuated with someone, you can't see their 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 flaws. Have you guys noticed that? Well, hate blinds too, because when you start hating someone, you can't see their virtues, and that's where they were with Paul. I mean, come on, I'm, I'm sure he wasn't a perfect man, but but why would you hate him so much? That's where they were. They they wanted him dead. And we're going to see later in verse 15 that they wanted Governor Festus to make a judgment right there and then and, and condemn. And so they said, we'll make it simple. All you have to do is summon him down and while he's on his way, uh, we'll kill him. And so, you know, Festus, he, he's just starting off and I think he kind of wants to do the right thing, maybe, but 
He says, no, I'm staying in Caesarea for now. I'll be going there shortly. So you guys uh, get your leaders, come down there with me, and we'll see if this man has really done anything wrong. And so it's kind of a, an arraignment. And so we read in verse 6, and when he had remained among them uh, more than 10 days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul uh, to be brought. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem, notice, stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. And so Festus, again, comes down uh, to Caesarea. Right there where it says he sits on the judgment seat, it basically is saying we're in an official court setting now. Right there where it says they stood about, uh, in the original language, it means that they, they surrounded Paul. And so if you can visualize it, it's like a pack of wolves all around this guy, just laying into him, uh, charging him with a mutiny against Rome and against profanity against the temple of Israel, the temple of the Jews, both of which were, uh, you know, basically they could punish him by killing him. And so all it took really was a word from the governor and this guy could have been dead. And so we read in verse 8 that Paul answers for himself. Notice what he says, neither against the law of the Jews nor against the temple nor against Caesar have I offended in anything at all. And so Paul here uh, we know was innocent. He was blameless. Uh, from a judicial standpoint, the truth is, and here's just the, the bottom line, he should have never really spent even a single day locked up. That, he was, this guy loved the Jews. This guy loved the Lord. This guy loved with a love that they didn't even understand. But here they are, the ones that he's loving, the ones that he's sharing the truth with. Here they are, you know, coming against him and they just want him dead. And of course we know the reason is they're deceived and they're under the influence of the enemy. But Paul here, he, he just basically says, listen, I haven't done anything wrong. They have a lot of accusations, but there's no evidence, right, to prove that I've done these things against Rome or the temple. And so really under normal conditions, I think the case would have been dismissed. But this isn't a normal uh, condition. There is this uh, spiritual battle that's taking place. Remember, I told you earlier, uh, and you guys got to keep this in mind in all of your life, that in your life and through your life, Jesus is building the church. That's why you're going through trials. And Satan is battling the church. And, and we're always there somehow some way, we are somewhere in this war. You know, the normal conditions would have let him go, but what we see right now is a spiritual battle. There's a political tension that's taking place. Um, when you look at history, what you find is the previous governor, Felix, had been taken out of power because basically while he was ruling, a riot broke out between the Greeks and the Jews. The Jews prevailed. And so what Felix did was he brought more firepower in for the Greeks and he, and he gave them the permission to go and to beat down Jewish men, to rape 
Jewish women and to plunder the Jews that were rich. And so uh, word got back to the emperor that uh, Governor Felix had done this. So he was taken out of power. Porcius Festus is put in power. But now as he goes in, this is the political climate. So the last thing in the world he wants to do is to offend the Jews from the get-go. And so uh, we see this all going on. Um, the Jews come, they accuse. Paul defends himself. They have no evidence. He should have just dismissed the case. But what we see in verse 9, it says, But Festus, notice, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? Paul out. Are you willing to stand trial in Jerusalem? And, and this was kind of like his way out, uh, uh, you know, to, to kind of like, you know, get himself out of it, the dilemma, uh, and kind of winning on both sides. Festus knew Paul was innocent and he didn't want to take the chance of wrongfully condemning a Roman citizen, but he also wanted to start his rule off right in relationship with the Jewish leaders and so he basically figures, all I have to do is just let him go down there to Jerusalem. They'll kill him on the way. And then, you know, everything's good, right? And so, Paul, are you willing to stand trial in Jerusalem? And it's here that we move from Paul's arraignment to Paul's appeal. In verse 10, it says, So Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know. For if I am an offender, or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. But if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. And it's a trip to me. I don't know if you guys um, have really thought this one through, but... But I, 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 when, I, when I study the life of Paul, this is what I see, that his whole life, his whole life was submitted to the will of God. Man, he would, just, he would just pray about everything. Lord, what should I do here? Not my will, but your will. Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. It's going to be dangerous. I understand what you're all saying to me, that it won't be easy, but the Spirit compels me i'm bound in the spirit it, none of these move me things move me remember what he said nor do i count my life dear to myself that i may finish my race with joy in the ministry which i have been given to testify i mean and here he is and so he does go to jerusalem but now it's like oh well, what are you going to do and i'll bet you a hundred dollars about maybe at the most a hundred dollars <laughs> We'll find out in heaven and maybe I'll have to pay you back. But I'll bet you almost anything that he had been praying about this. He's a Roman citizen and he has the right, if he feels like he's not getting justice from you know, the court that he's now you know, standing before, he has the right to appeal to the highest court in the land. Because the Bible says that he was born a Roman citizen. And so what was he doing? I'll bet you $100, man. He was praying about this. And we should do the same thing. 
You know, a lot of times I see people, and I wonder sometimes, they make big decisions, you know, hasty moves, you know, things that they're, you know, kind of following. And I wonder, man, have you really bathed it in prayer? I, I just know that this was not off the cuff, that Paul had been praying about, you know, you know appealing to the highest court in the land. And so he, he does right here, knowing he's not going to get a fair trial in Jerusalem, and, and so he appeals to Caesar, an appeal that the governor, Felix, was obligated to honor. And, and, you know, there in verse 11, you know, I just love the heart of Paul. He said, listen, if I've done anything wrong, anything deserving of death, I don't object to justice. If they need to kill me, so be it. I, I love his heart. He said, not only would I not get a, a fair trial in Jerusalem, but Paul knew, you know, I'm not even going to make it there. And so he appeals, and what this does is it sets everything in, in the course of motion. We're going to see that this is how the book of Acts ends, as he's on his way now to Rome. You know, and he always wanted to go there. You know, he'd be on that road that leads to Rome. It's the capital of the world. He heard they had good pizza, and uh, that's why he wants to go. No, no, you guys know, he wants to go and share the gospel. He wants to go and follow the Lord. God put a dream, God put a desire inside of his heart. You know, and God will do the same thing with your life. He'll put dreams inside of you. He'll put desires inside of you. But listen, you can't tell God the details of how he will work those things out. Paul wanted to go to Rome, but he wanted to just go to church, not in chains. He wanted to go to Rome, not as a prisoner, but as a prophet. He wanted to go to Rome, not under arrest, but under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I think, of course, he had both of those things, but you know what I'm talking about. A lot of times, you know, this is what we want to do at the end of the day, but man, we don't know the details of exactly how it's going to get done. Proverbs 16.9, it says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. And that's where... Paul is now. I want to go to Rome. He's from Corinth. If you guys want to turn to, to, to the book of Romans, I think it's just like five pages to the right. Uh, turn to the book of Romans. And, and notice what he wrote. When he was in Corinth, uh, about two and a half years earlier, he had written them a letter, and he said, I want to go to Rome. Notice what he says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. You see, he wrote to the church in Rome that somehow, some way, someday, you know, if it's the will of God that I can come to you, you know, and, and maybe that was his mistake, huh? Do you think that maybe he was uh, too vague in his prayers? That maybe he should have been more specific? Like, Lord, if I go, let me go in a limo. And maybe he should have said it like that, right? Or, or Lord, if that's your plan, then make it, you know, me as a free man. I don't know, you know, how it all works. Um, I don't think that's the way it works. You know, because some might say, well, Paul, you're, you're kind of vague in that. Um, and, but, but, but I think at the end of the day, what was going on is God's putting dreams, God's putting desires, 
But then God is going to work out the details. And what does he want to do? He, he, he wants you to, sh- to share the name of Jesus. He wants you to share the love of God. He wants to give you platforms. He wants to give you opportunities. He wants to open doors so that you'd open your mouth and tell people what they need to hear. They need to hear about Jesus. You know, last night, um, my wife and I, we got a phone call from a family member and they wanted us to call uh, someone, another family member who's addicted to prescription drugs. You know, and part of me, I'm, I'm, I, I confess, you know, laziness, you kind of want to just watch the Laker game or something, you know. Shame on me, huh? Shame on me, absolutely. Oh yeah, tell her we'll call at 8.30. I'm just telling you, sometimes we can put things off and God says, no, I want you to share. So we end up calling and, uh, you know, here's a, a gal addicted to drugs and basically her question is like, do you know of a program? You know, a program that, you know, can help me. And yeah, we do have some resources, you know, outpatient programs, some long-term where you can stay in a home for, for girls uh, and stuff like that. But, but, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the first thing that I have to tell her is about Jesus. Uh, Mija, do you know the Lord? Do you know Jesus Christ? Are you a Christian? Listen, I was addicted to drugs and I could never stop until Jesus Christ came into my life. Programs, they have their places. You know, some, whatever, the 12-step thing, that might work for some. But listen, it's a one-step thing. And, and no matter what the problem is, the answer is a person. His name is Jesus. And, and God will create those open doors and God will create those opportunities for us to share the gospel with people. And that's what's going on in the life of Paul. You know, and then, not only that, but, but I'm able to tell her, yeah, my, my dad, because, you know, she has a, a very unique situation with her parents. My dad was addicted to heroin for 40 years, and God set him free, and this is my story, and you wonder, why did you go through what you went through, all the bad stuff that you experienced in life? I'm telling you, man, don't, don't, let, don't trip on those things. Look deeper. Wait on the Lord and you're going to find that even those tough things that you went through will be opportunities for you to share one day what God has done in your life. You know, when Paul's here, you know, some wonder why, why, why do bad things happen like this? You know, why is he in prison? What's going on? You know, and... And again, I don't have all the answers, but let me give you five words that I think are helpful. Five words. Why the tough times? Why the bad things? Why was Paul locked up for two years? Well, number one, Satan. Satan. Remember, he opposes the church. He's our adversary. We read about Paul actually being hindered. If you go to Romans chapter 1, maybe you're still there. But look at verse 13. Paul says, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. And so it's an interesting cross-reference in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18, 
Where Paul says, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. And so part of the reason we go through the struggles is because of the devil, Satan. Number two is because of society. Now, you look at Paul and, you know, you would say, well, his number one enemy were these Jewish leaders who wanted him dead. These so-called leaders with so much hatred. That's the portion of society that we live in that is under the sway of the devil. And you might be able to pinpoint, yeah, it's that person. It's that person. It's that person. No, it's not just that person. It's the devil who's behind them. It's a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But there is a portion of society, 1 John 5.19 says, that's under the sway of the wicked one. And so in this world, we only have the saints and the ain'ts, those who are for God or against God. There's no middle ground. And so you have those that are against God and they come against you. This is why we have these hard times. Satan, society. And then the third word is this word sovereignty. Sovereignty. How many of you here... um, I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it. How many of you here like love? Do you like love? Do you love love? I mean, isn't love cool? I mean, God loves you. Do you love God? Do you love your spouse? Thinking about it? Do you love <laughs> Do you love your children? Don't you love it when people love you? I mean, to me, love is one of the most wonderful things that we can ever have. Wouldn't you agree? But you understand that the only way love is possible is if free will is possible. I mean, God didn't program to love. We're not robots. We're not puppets. We have to make that choice. And so what we find is in order to have love, you have to have free will. So Satan kind of has a free will. And that person next to you, they kind of have a free will. The, the whole world has a free will, right? But, but that causes uh, pain and, 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 and indescribable heartache, right? But it's here that we need to understand that even though they're allowed to do their thing, God will take that bad thing and in His sovereignty, He'll use it for good, right? Have you guys noticed the word R-E-I-G-N, the word reign? is on sovereignty, is in that word sovereignty. So no matter what's going on, you can just rest assured that God is still on his throne. The Jewish Sanhedrin may rule, the Roman governor, king, and even emperor may rule, but God overrules. How God is able to take the pain and give it purpose, take the bad and use it for good. We have to know this word sovereignty. This is why we go through what we go through because of Satan, because of society, because of sovereignty. And God is going to take all that, not that he authors evil, but he allows it and he's going to use it somehow, some way for good. And some would say, no, God doesn't have all the power. That's why there's suffering. Well, listen, God does have all the power because he made everything and maintains everything. Well, some would say, well, then God doesn't love because if he has all the power and all this bad's going on, he must not love me. Listen, he loves you 
And we know he loves you because he died for you. What we find is this word sovereignty is so helpful. You know, I don't understand, Manny. Why did this happen? Why did God allow that? Why is my cousin locked up for something he didn't do? Listen, none of us understand. Just like kids don't understand adult things. Men does not understand divine things. His ways are higher. As high as the heavens are above the earth. That's how much higher God's ways are. And so you're, you're looking at this. Why is Paul you know, locked up? Why is this going on for two years? And you start thinking about all these words. The next word, it starts with an S, is just this. And um, I know it doesn't kind of flow as much, but it's just the word slow. Slow. Sometimes God wants to slow us down. And this is probably part of the reason that Paul is in prison. Did you know that? Here's a guy that was always going 100 miles an hour, right? And he would never stop. He was like the Energizer bunny, you know, just constantly going. But sometimes God wants to slow us down. And God wanted Paul and the team to slow down. Uh, We believe that it was during this time that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. So how many of you here like the Gospel of Luke? How many of you are grateful that he wrote it? (laughs) Well, he would have never wrote it probably, unless God had slowed Paul down, right? I mean, we got to slow down sometimes and smell the roses and worship the God who made them, right? I mean, sometimes we need to take life and just kind of slow in order to grow, in order to know that he's God. I remember one time a person got an injury, and so what that did is it slowed him down, and you know what they did during that time? They learned how to play the guitar, and he became a worship leader. There was another guy I was talking to just last night, and he told me, yeah, you know, things are financially tough. You know, things got really slow at work. But it, I, I kind of took advantage of it, and I got to and do honeydews around the house, and now my wife loves me again. I mean, come on. You know. <laughs> Sometimes we need, to, we need to slow down, right? What does the Bible say? Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God, Right? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, all these things are happening, and we see it in Paul's life. You know, Satan and society and sovereignty and God wanting to slow him down. But then the last thing is this. It's this word sanctification. And what that is, is God is changing us. I want to be different. I don't want to be the same man I was yesterday or last week or last month. I want to grow. I want to die to self. Less of me. More of him. Sanctification. How are you really going to change? You want to know how you're really going to change? The only way you're really going to change is through the hard times with your eyes on the Lord. Because you want to know something? If you go through the hard times and you don't get your eyes on the Lord, you can actually come out of that trial more bitter than better. Listen, trials don't automatically make a person grow. It's as you go through those trials with your eyes on the Lord. It's crazy to me how sometimes people will go through trials, they go through hard times. Next thing you know, they don't come to church anymore. Next thing you know, they're kind of backing off in their relationship with the Lord and when in all intention, 
you're going through what you're going through, so God is trying to bring you to a place where you run to Him. And, and so, that's sanctification. You know, with Paul the Apostle, this guy was a workhorse. This guy was amazing. But God was more interested in the work in him than he was in the work through him. That's the way God is. You know, it's interesting with Paul, after this time in Caesarea, and then he would go on to Rome, Paul would then write the rich letters of Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon. And you'll notice when you read those prison epistles that they are centered. They are centered on Jesus. And so that's what God wants to do. God wants to change us. And, and so these are some of the reasons that we go through trials. Paul is now heading to Rome, but Paul's not done there in Caesarea just yet. Uh, soon he's going to testify, not only to the Jewish rulers and Roman governor, but even to the king and this whole crowd. As we move from Paul's arraignment and then Paul's appeal to Paul's audience. And notice what we read if you go back to Acts chapter 25 in verse 13. It says, And after some days, King Agrippa and Bernice, they came to Caesarea to greet Festus. When they had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There was a certain man left a prisoner by Felix, about whom the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem, asking for a judgment against him. To them I answered, It is not the custom of the Romans to deliver any man to destruction before the accused meets the accusers face to face and has opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charge against him. Therefore, when they had come, and basically he's just telling them the whole story, right? When they had come together without any delay, the next day I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought in. When the accusers stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things as I suppose, but had some questions against him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who had died whom Paul affirmed to be alive. Isn't that cool? Because that's what Paul was sharing. Not just, hey, I want to get out of this, but hey, let me share uh, about Jesus with you. He, he is alive. He is, you know, the Savior. And so, you know, uh, Festus here is this relaying this information um, to King Agrippa because basically he doesn't know what to write. Like when I send Paul to the emperor, what are the charges? What am I going to write to this guy? Now, Herod Agrippa II, that's who this is, he would have a lot of information. He would have more information about, you know, Judaism and, and about, you know, this sect of Judaism they called the Way or, or Christianity. And so he's asking him for help. He's telling him the, the whole situation. In, in verse 20, he says, And because I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged concerning these matters. But when Paul appealed to be reserved for the decision of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. And then Agrippa said to Festus, hmm, I would also like to hear the man myself. And tomorrow he said, you shall hear him. So what's the Lord doing here, you guys? What's he doing? He's gathering the audience. He's saying, uh, Agrippa, 
I know you have a lot of money. I know you have a lot of power. You're, you're, you're the king. You, you come from a, a line of kings. But you know you're empty inside. And Bernice, this lady Bernice, they say she was stunning. They say she was beautiful. Prior to uh, being now with Herod Agrippa II, she had two other husbands. Uh, they both died. And now she comes, and, and this is kind of a weird thing, so you might want to close your ears if you don't want to hear it. But now they say she's uh, actually in an incestuous relationship with her brother. So Bernice is not just his sister biologically, also kind of a wife type of thing. It's weird, huh? And then to make matters worse, Bernice would not stay with Agrippa II. She would then go on to be the mistress of Emperor Vespasian and then Emperor Titus. And so here's a girl looking for love. And so this guy is looking for meaning and purpose and and she's looking for love. And God says, well, you know, I got a guy who will tell you where you can find love, who, who will tell you where you can find true riches and purpose in life. This guy, Paul, he's not afraid. He's not a coward. He'll tell you the truth. When, when, when we bring him before you in this trial, he's not just going to try to get out of this prison sentence. He's going to see life for what it really is. That life is always God opening doors for us to share His love. And you always have to have eyes to evangelize. You always have to have a willingness to share the Lord with people because I tell you what, you guys, um, you might even look at a person and think, well, they have it all together because they have a nice house and, you know, whatever the case may be. Listen, I hope you understand this. If they don't have Jesus, they have a huge hole inside their heart. They're dying inside. They might put on a good show, but they need what you and I have to offer. And that's what this is all about. It's Paul's arraignment, yeah. It's Paul's appeal, yeah. But it's Paul's audience. Let me ask you a question. Who's your audience? Who does God want you to talk to? I was talking last night with a brother on the phone and he was telling me about how at his job he has this opportunity during his breaks to share the Lord with his co-workers and I was just so happy. I was so blessed to hear that because you know you guys are out there in the front lines. You might be the only opportunity. If they have to hear the message of salvation. See, and God has given you a platform. God has given you an audience. I mean, this is not just a trial. That's not just a job. He puts you in the family that you're in. He puts you in a neighborhood where you live. He puts you here at a certain time, in a certain location, to share the love of the Lord. And he can take even those hard times. And this is what I challenge you to do. You know, don't just focus on the hard times. Don't just focus on your, your pain. 
Don't just focus on, you know, the fact that, you know, you feel like you're imprisoned. No, you're, you're a prisoner of Christ. And as you go through those hard times, look deeper. Look deeper. And if you do, you're going to find that God is doing a work where he's going he's to use it to, to, so you can share with others. You know, I, I've learned that even the most difficult things, God is transforming my life. And God has given me a, a message to be able to share with someone one day. Even through the difficulties, you know, God can take the worst things and make them the best things. I, uh, last week, I th- yeah, I think it was last week, someone had invited us to go to Disneyland. And so it turned out that the only day we could go was, was Monday. Yeah, it was this last Monday, yeah. And you guys remember what's going on this last Monday? It was raining like crazy man and you know we're praying uh, um, uh, last week we're praying Lord you know um, the Bible says that, that James was a, was a man with a nature like mine and he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain and so here I am Lord I'm praying Lord close the heavens don't let it rain but it rained <laughs> but you know my wife and my son they love Disneyland so much because if it were up to me I wouldn't have gone because, you know, I'm like, Disneyland. But they love Disneyland. So I said, okay, you guys want to go? I'm going to go. We went to Disneyland that day. It was the best day to go to Disneyland. I'm telling you guys, man, if it ever rains when you want to go to Disneyland, just go. <laughs> the lines were short. We're talking like 10 minutes on the cars ride or whatever. And it was just so, it was a wonderful, amazing day. And what you might perceive to be like a storm or rain or a curse or something bad. Remember that word sovereignty. Remember, don't forget that word because God is going to take it and he'll use it for good. And here's Paul and his heart was always to share. And now he gets to share with the, the king and the governor and, and this lady right here who's looking for love and and all the other people, you'll, you'll see, look at in verse uh, 23. So the next day when Agrippa and Bernice had come with great pomp and had entered the, uh, notice the auditorium. I mean, we're, they're in an auditorium <laughs> with the commanders and the prominent men of the city at Festus. They commanded Paul was brought in and Festus said, King Agrippa and all the men who are here present with us, you see this man about whom the whole assembly of the Jews petitioned me, both at Jerusalem and here, crying out that he was not fit to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing deserving of death and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I decided to send him. I have nothing certain to write to my Lord concerning him. Therefore, this is the reason I have brought him out before you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after the examination has taken place, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not to specify the charges against him. And God, because I believe with all my heart that Paul was faithful. Paul cared. I mean, very rarely do you hear the gospel, the clear gospel, from someone who cares. 
But Paul was that guy. Paul was faithful. Paul wasn't a coward. Paul would share. Listen, Jesus loves you. He died for you on a cross. He was put in a grave. He rose again. Whoever you are, no matter what you've done, listen, if you want life, you can have it today by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And who knows, maybe even here right now, there might be one person, at the end of the day, you're not really a Christian. Right here, you have the opportunity to have life. I mean, here's this opportunity that Paul has, and it's not, you know, uh, somewhere by the river in Philippi or some humble Jewish synagogue in that tiny town over there. This is even more than Mars Hills from a human perspective in one sense. This is big time. You've got the rulers, prominent people, movers and shakers, uh, rich and influential. And they come now and this little guy gets, you know, escorted into the auditorium. Uh, history tells us he wasn't a really good looking guy. They say he was short with a crooked nose, just a little hair left. His body is beat up. They say he's hunched over and he's in chains. But God brought all these people together to hear him and not really hear him, to hear God. To hear, listen, listen. I know you're hurting. I know you're struggling, but I love you. I died for you and I have got a life for you. I tell you what, I've got a life for you in a home called heaven and I've got a life for you to live on earth. God brought all these people together in the auditorium. I think we might even have a... Do we have a picture of the auditorium? When we went to Israel, we got to see... Look at that auditorium. That's why you got to go to Israel with us because you see these visuals and you're like, whoa, here's Paul, you know, in, in, in this auditorium sharing the Lord with all these people. And you know, I don't know, for us, maybe it won't be 24,000 people. Maybe it will. You know, but whoever God brings to you, man, that's what we want to do is we want to share the Lord. And so prayerfully in going through this chapter right here, I just want to close with a, with a couple of questions. Uh, number one, who will you speak to? Who will you speak to? Will you be more open to share the Lord with people? Will you? Paul went to the marketplace. He went to the, the mall, basically. Wherever he went, he was always ready. I'm not saying being obnoxious or pushy or in the flesh, but I'm saying in the spirit, always. That's why you're here. Don't forget, that's why you're here. But not only who will you speak to, but then the second question is, will you let God speak to you? Because if you're here today and you're, you're struggling, I know God has a message for you. God has something good that He wants to bless you with today, but He won't force it on you. You have to open your heart. Are you all in? Are you a Christian? Or are you one of those who you're half-hearted? You guys remember the difference between Solomon, David, and Saul? Saul had no heart, no heart for God. Solomon had half a heart 
I have a feeling there's a lot of people here who have half hearts. Listen, let me tell you something, okay? Because maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, I, I kind of like Jesus. I kind of like the Bible. I kind of like going to church. And you're half-hearted. You know what Jesus said? I'd rather you be hot or cold. Because if you're lukewarm, Jesus said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Are you all in? If you're not all in, don't leave today and don't even dare to go get a chorizo con burrito, you know, to papa's burrito, man. <laughs> Unless you give your heart to Christ. He wants to bless you. God has a plan for your life, but so does the devil. Which will you choose?